Hey guys, welcome to episode something or another of this interview series. Uh, I am interviewing people in the video game industry slash esports slash whatever. I want to give people a platform to tell their story. And today I'm joined by Steve. Uh, Steve, say hello. Hello. Uh, Steve, what what do you go by? What is your screen name, etc.? How can people, you know, I'm sure some people in like the Trinity Force Network community know who you are, correct? Yeah, folks know me as Anoki. Um, my Twitter's around and all that, but I tend not to connect everything everything because you know that's fair yeah especially being in the video game industry that's what the whole point of this right is talking about yeah we we were chatting before the show and you were saying you were feeling a little uneasy about talking about some specific topics and we won't get into those uh on this show but i can understand um and i think i'm going to use that to kind of roll into my first point here let's talk about what you do specifically or what you have done yeah uh i've been in video game quality assurance for like a almost a decade now been a been a hot minute uh breaking video games uh so i can put food on my table and <laughs> potentially buy more video games right i can i can only imagine uh so how let, so you're doing qa i man there's so many questions here right when you say qa <laughs> i just want to j- jump right into what's qa let's do this but you know, before we jump into that, people have a general understanding of what QA is. Uh, I'm most people's general understanding is I'm looking to make the game playable. Is that a, a very succinct and passable definition? Yeah, um, yeah, I'd agree. It's you know, it's pretty wide ranging, but yeah, that's kind of the core. We're trying to make a you know a game both function and in some cases be better than you know whatever the first iteration was. Sure. So the, so for the people that are out there that may want to get into QA and are listening to the show specifically for that, how did you get started in your career with video game QA? <laughs> so uh, my story is a little weird. Um, so it's, it's a little atypical. Uh, I was actually going to university uh, studying psychology, and I thought I was going to have a completely different career path. I noticed that um, when you sent me, you sent me some information about yourself and I saw you had a psychology yeah. degree and I was like, that's an interesting degree to roll into this. So Yeah. Um, so what happened was basically I was talking with a friend of mine. Uh, we were shooting the shit about uh, some video game. I was trying to get into kind of the headspace of developers and, you know, not just developers, but, you know, shareholders, like people that are actually trying to sell you the video game. Right. Sure. Um. And I was going off and talking about it and my buddy just kind of looks at me and he's like, I've never heard anyone talk about games like this. Have you thought about working in video games? And I kind of stopped for a second, looked at him and said, not till just now. So I that year went to a game developers conference in San Francisco, uh, went on like a single pass, uh, came back, talked to my advisor, said, yeah, I was thinking about doing this career path. Um, but now I want to work in video games. And she kind of just looked at me and was like, I, I have no idea how to help you do the thing. <laughs> uh, I'm like, don't worry about it. I'll figure it out. Right. Um, so after I graduated, uh, I was still, I went to school in LA. Um, I was, you know, looking around, uh, for jobs, uh, kind of anything to keep me afloat while I kept looking. And I was on, I wish this was a joke. Uh, I was on Craigslist. Okay. And uh, my first job, my first industry job was looking for testers via Craigslist. So I applied and got the job. Okay. So I have to just tell you a little bit about my story too, about how I 
really broke, you know, got bigger into yeah. the, like the sysadmin side uh, really quick. My first big job I got from World, World of Warcraft. So mm. I'm really not too far off from you there. Like with just, yeah. I met a dude, I talked to him a ton. He offered me a job, you know, 400 miles away. And I said, send me, send me a letter with the job offer on company letterhead. And he did. And I'm like, all right, I'm moving. Yeah. Right. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I, when you say Craigslist, it's, I mean, I, it's really not much different than meeting some random person, right? Like, yeah, you take off any opportunities you get. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I jumped at it. Uh, and you know, a couple weeks after that, I was working a uh, night shift QA for 2k games. Oh, wow. I can't believe 2k, 2k games actually use Craigslist for that. Is it a bigger thing out there in Los Angeles? Uh, I mean, so first, like, there's a huge disclaimer of like, again, this is like 10 years ago, right? Oh, okay. Then, like, okay. So this is, this is years and years ago, right? Um, also, uh, I think they were, it was part of their strategy because at the time, uh, like all of 2k wasn't all together, right? Like they had offices across the country and they just happened to have a QA office kind of in my area, not like next door but like in the la area so they weren't stationed out of la at that time in 2009 10 yeah they they i don't even remember where headquarters was supposed to be but it was definitely like not just a california like it's a you know international brand right like right quarters could be somewhere else so i'm assuming uh, what were the big games for 2k around that time because they were founded in 2005 2007 was bioshock which i'm assuming is you know like the big stamp yeah. for 2k and then uh, i guess maybe the sports games right yeah sports games were big um they had a bit of a, a strategy in a kind of shooter division like civ was out of 2k uh civilization yep um and uh i think i think they actually had the nickelodeon license at the time I'm actually trying to Google this as we we talk. Yeah. I'm really curious about 2K and the time the timelines are always fun to talk about as well because uh, some people may not realize it, but you know, in 2010 and maybe just a few years before, we were still were in kind of a it's not a renaissance, but uh, you know, like the new age of the internet, right? We were still really getting into ourselves and understanding what the internet was like uh, yeah, 10 for years sure. ago. Uh, I mean, I, I joined Twitter in like 2008, I think, and that was like brand new at the time. Yeah, I came in a couple years later just because of actually because of the game and games industry. Like people were posting on it, so okay, I'm gonna go where people work or you know the working people are, I guess. Right, and I know 2K was bigger than that because they had PlayStation games. Of course, they had the they had the big NBA. I think I think a lot of that though. 2K was the sports games, if I remember correctly, for a while. Yeah, sports there. was definitely big. Um, anyway, enough about 2K. <laughs> we're not. <Yeah. laughs> I, I was just really curious. Cause I had never actually thought about some of these. You know. The, publishers and whatnot where they came from uh, you know what they got known for what they had published so anyway you started working qa for 2k at that time let's before we get into what you were doing and everything let's talk about qa because you yeah. spent you spent 10 years in there you spent you know just about 10 years doing qa and you started to explain to me publisher qa versus dev qa can you expand a little more on the difference yeah so uh publisher qa is pretty pretty radically different than dev qa um, publisher is really focused on, well, granted at the time, uh, was very much about kind of just brute force test everything, right? Basically, like, here's a game right in front of you. Uh, 
find everything you can find everything wrong with this game you can um write everything and it's you're expected to think about what you're finding a little bit to like really discern if what you're finding is a bug or a feature or intended design or you know kind of what's going on but uh it's very built around uh, what's called black box testing black box testing is basically i did a thing and something happened clearly they're connected mm-hmm. like it's very uh i don't want to say simplistic but it's very similar to like what a user would see right so let's say before we get in the dev qa here too because yeah. we're rolling there let's let's say we're just we're going to take random first person shooter level one in the game and all you, i'm just for the sake of the conversation let's say the shooter runs down a hallway opens the door and that ends the game you're sure. ex- you're expected to I'm assuming try every piece of that game, try to do stupid things, or are you just trying to run down that hallway and get to the end? Like in a publisher uh, QA? It it kind of depends on what task you're working on. Okay. So, so, you so you are have, given a task, like some kind of like ticket or Jira task or whatever that says. Uh, I'd say like guidance. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily say like a specific task, right? Um, we would, let's say uh, in this level, right? you're assigned to run through achievements. Like you're, you're there to like do a playthrough, get every achievement in the game. More likely than not, you're going to be booking it down that hallway and trying to complete the game as fast as possible or, okay. you know, get to the first achievement. Right. So at this point oh. in the publisher QA, not dev QA, cause there's, yeah. And I think by just saying publisher and dev, hope people understand the difference. Cause I kind of get the idea here. Uh, publisher QA, you're not expected to start uh, pulling every lever on the wall, not lever, but like trying to, check every candlestick on the wall for secret doors and stuff. You're just trying to, they told you you're doing achievements today. Try to get these achievements done and tell us what happened or what didn't happen. Yeah. A bit of that. Um, like the, the big thing with publisher QA is kind of the product is the product. Okay. I guess if that makes any sense, like the game disc in front of you is the entirety of the game and that's all you need to care about. Okay. And what happens? So you run down this hallway and you find a bug where you fall through the floor. Right. Yeah. And, and you're in publisher QA. It's the game. Do they fix that before they launch it? Or is that kind of like, oh, that's going to be a day one Ooh. patch? Okay. So there, there are a couple steps kind of even before that, right? Okay. Um, even from a QA standpoint, first, you've got to make sure that you can reproduce this sure. uh, consistently, right? Like you've got to go through all those kind of basic steps, write up a ticket. Uh, so, like you mentioned, Jira. Jira is like a standard kind of task tracking or task or bug yeah, tracking software. I right? use Jira. I've used it forever, right? We use it yeah. in IT, so yeah. Um so like, you know, we'll write up the ticket, we'll include, you know, steps to reproduce this, how do I actually get it? Uh what build we found it on, you know, all these details that we can basically hand to excuse me. Uh hand to a uh developer and say there's a problem here, please go fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, once that's written up, uh, basically it'll go to a couple different, depending on the studio, depending on, or even the publisher, uh, everyone's kind of got their own unique flow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially it'll probably go to your lead. They'll kind of review it. Okay. It's this kind of severe or it's, you know, the issue is this much of a problem, um, users are likely to run into it or they're not going to run into it. 
and then uh, set it a priority based on that. Gotcha. So if I'm That'll, so if I'm running down this hallway, I'm just again I'm gonna use scenarios that are like that yeah. I think would be. Used. I'm running this hallway and I'm jumping because it's a straight hallway and then I fall sure. through the floor. That's probably a higher bug, right? Because the likelihood of players running down a single hallway and jumping because they're I'm not gonna use board, but for twitching is likely yeah. to happen, right? Yeah. So like that would be kind of a, a closer to kind of user path or kind of critical path for someone to run into. So that would probably be a higher priority, but there are also factors of like, can the user actually recover from this? So like Mm. in your example, you fall through the floor, you're kind of done. Right. That's probably a bigger issue than like, Oh, well I can see my character models foot kind of clip through the floor for a second there, Uh, you know? Okay. So like, it's not just the, the steps, but it's the results impact. Sure, that makes sense, and I understand that from a from a workflow perspective, it makes sense to take care of the higher pieces, things that are going to impact game playability over anything right. else. Uh, okay, so you know, and and then if that was something like that, where I'm jumping down the hallway, I fall off the floor, I can repeat it every single time without a doubt. It's not, you know, I have to frame perfect jumps to do it. Of course, sure. Uh, does that get pushed before the game is released, or is that again like day one patch? Like we are updating our system on PlayStation when we install the game. Yeah, it always comes down to, like, there are other factors, too, of, like, when do we find this bug, right? Like, theoretically, QA should, if it's as simple as it sounds, that's an early find. Like, that's something you're going to find in alpha or beta or something like that, right? Um, And then, okay, you fix it before the milestone, right? Like, you fix it before um, uh, it goes off to be printed, Okay. Or like the, the physical media gets printed or, you know, goes to checks with, you know, other groups or things like that. Right. So in um, my example, if, it's more something you would have found in dev where you're trying probably, to play through yeah. really trying to break the game or do things that you think players would normally do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's pretty likely that would be uh, like fixed before that would be fixed on disk. Gotcha. Um, so in it, this is this is a side question I didn't have written down. Yeah. Do you f- there's a new process, the agile process. Are you familiar with it? Yeah. Do you do are the game dev studios now um, in 2019, 2020 using the agile process more than like the waterfall? Yeah, we're definitely using agile a lot more. Um, I can't really speak to to publisher QA because like the real kind of adoption of it was kind of after I moved away from from publisher side mm-hmm. and started working in dev. Um, but yeah, I would say it's much more agile focused. And I guess for those who out out there that don't know, I'll do my best. Agile is the difference is waterfall Q or water, the waterfall process was to plan out your entire project and then go work on it. And if and if there's ever any stop anywhere in between, you know, like point A and point Z, then you're kind of screwed. Like it, you know, completely the whole system breaks apart. You have to go back. Agile is supposed to fix that by the fact that we have a bunch of tasks out in front of us, and we and we bring the customer in, and we're working with the customer, or I guess the the developer this in this uh, scenario, and trying to fix things in a more agile or a more fluid process. I think that's probably the easiest way that I can explain how agile works. So that when it when you go to deliver the product, it's the final product and not something where the customer goes, "Oh, I don't like the color of that," because they should have picked that up during the process. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely a uh, waterfall does have some benefits I've seen, but not frequently enough. Mm-hmm. That's just my personal take on it, though. 
yeah, it's kind of it, agile. Think about, I think the way I look at it is kind of like devi- des- designing a website, excuse me. So that way you don't just present the website to somebody and they go, I hate all this. Why didn't you tell me about this? Agile is supposed to fix that because they're supposed to be in, the customer is supposed to be telling you at every point to the way what they like, what they don't like. Yeah, it, it takes a little bit of kind of uh, refocusing of usually client expectations because mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to like go to them and be like, we know this is in progress. This is what we've got. Like, don't focus on the stuff that's not done yet because we haven't done it. But here's what's done. This is what you can look at. Right. So uh, enough with the agile stuff. I was just curious. It seems like it's, yeah. it's catching on pretty pretty well in a lot of the IT world. And I consider video games, you know, IT since they do work with computers. Yeah, um, uh, but okay, so we've talked about publisher QA. And now you've moved over into more dev QA. And that's kind of like this. And I guess from our conversation, it sounds like the scenario I presented is more dev QA. Like, um, let's, let's talk about that. So yeah, dev QA, uh, usually you've got better access to tools. So like going back to that example, right? Um, not only could, like you could probably still get the same results of like, oh, I fell through the world or, you know, I jumped and caused a problem, but you could theoretically like look at logs, like the actual game outputting system logs or, uh, examining assets in whatever your engine is, things like that. Um, usually have more access, but at the same time, because you have more access to kind of a, a greater variety of tools, you're expected to kind of synthesize it more. So like going back to our, exa- our old example, right? Mm. Um, if you were on publisher QA and you fell through the world like that, kind of be like, cool, I fell through the world, wrote up a bug. Bing, bang, boom, I'm done, right? Dev QA, you might be expected to kind of check, okay, maybe it's the actual uh, asset we're using for the floor. Okay. Maybe it's the character model, right? Like, you've got to kind of, you're kind of expected to think a little more, I guess. Sure. Um, It's less obvious all the time. Um, Yeah, it's one of those, like, you're given more, so you should be able to do more with it. That makes sense. You're you're there to make sure you pick all the game breaking bugs out. You're there to make sure that you, you know, the the player doesn't fall through the world, for example, at any point in time. Uh, I could I I can see it I, now. I want to talk about Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. you told me you worked at Duke Nukem Forever, and <laughs> I, I, I uh, yeah, I, of course, everybody, anybody listening to this, I, I hope they understand the history of Duke Nukem Forever. If you don't go look it up, that was the game that was never to be released and finally was. And uh, my, before we get into it, I said my last memory of Duke Nukem Forever is when they were pushing it really hard at PAX East, and they had the throne and the, you know the babes and Duke Nukem. Yep. You could sit there with the babes and get your picture taken, right? And they were pushing it real hard, and then the game was released, and it was just this total bomb flop, just the worst thing ever. And then, then people tried tried so hard to justify it, but it just never seemed to catch hold. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I can't talk about, like, you know, stories from the trenches on that, but... No, of course. Uh, that one was... Uh, I'm trying well, to remember. Can you remember QA at all from that game? Because yeah. I, I feel like that game came out as if it never went through QA, right? Yeah. Um. So here's the thing. You, 
I actually kind of disagree with that statement. Okay. Um, and that's what we're here for because again, yeah. I'm just a normal guy and this is what I think and I want you to, you know, yeah, tell me, please. Yeah, so like with that one, I think a lot of the problems people have with the game, like it's not quote unquote fun, like it looks ugly, you know, all these kind of uh, subjective statements, right? They're all these like this doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that like I remember, you know, really kind of thinking about and really kind of pushing for is like games not crashing. The games, you know, whatever the designer, you know, whatever folks wanted this game to do, the game is doing that. Okay. Um, I'm like trying to think of. Sorry, I'm like trying to think of oh, ways no, to like. Time, you're fine. I, I I know I don't want you to put yourself too far out there either. So yeah, it's one of those things. That like I'm trying to to gauge like. Well, then instead of specifically Duke Nukem, can we just talk about QA in general and what the community thinks QA is like? Uh, because you know, again, I don't want you to go into too much, but but I'm sure that you see it a lot of times on forums. And I think I said this the same last time I interviewed somebody was that you know people they attack the the developers and they attack people and say you know my five-year-old could have done this better or i could have found this bug while it was happening so through the qa process besides the fact that it takes ten thousand people to find a bug you know because ten thousand people have to play the the game differently than just the small dev team does uh, my i guess my question is what's the difference between dev QA and you're doing your QA stuff and then all these players hitting out there and then yelling at you about something they thought you should have you should have caught yeah so something that I, I always like using this analogy because I think it's pretty apt um, let's say you've got I'm going to just use kind of generic numbers but mm-hmm. it'll work for the, the illustration like let's say you've got uh, a week uh, sorry let's say what a month of you know 9 to 5 work right so we're talking 8 hours a day uh, sorry, I'm actually doing the math in front of me because I'm bad at numbers. Uh, eight hours a day, five days a week, um, about four weeks in a month, so 160 hours per person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you've got a team of, let's say five, just to make life easier. So that's 800 hours, 800 man hours, just looking for issues. That has nothing to do with like actually tracking down how to fix the issue, implementing the fix, confirming the fix, doing the thing that it's supposed to do, and it's not breaking anything else, right? Right. Um, so that's 800 hour, man hours used to test it. If my game goes out to 1,000 people, that's eclipsed in less than an hour. Right. Um, and I'm glad you said something because I think that's something that I tried to when I was doing the League of Legends stuff hard was that, you know, it, it's unrealistic for a team of 5, 10, 50 people to find that random bug the champion had because, like you said, in an hour or two, it's completely eclipsed. Like, they have done all the QA and testing. Yeah, it's it's something that's really difficult to do um, and something that I think is kind of really a, a benefit of... Um, kind of this modern era we have of, of gaming, I guess, or game development, mm-hmm. is that we can put, you know, things to track errors. We can gather data on stuff. We can see if 
you know, something's going wrong after we've, you know, kind of sent it out to the world. Been like, okay. Um, we know there's an issue with so and so because we can see it in our logs. Mm-hmm. We're not totally sure what's causing the issue, but we know there's an issue there and that helps us focus our testing down to okay it's with this character or it's with this asset or something like that right um helps narrow the field and it also gives us other options to be like okay maybe it's an interaction with these two or these two items sure do you Um, do you find it um and this this is me asking this question coming from a potential community member of a game um do you find that more companies while they are doing internal QA are potentially releasing it out to the wild to have, I don't want to call it free QA, but that's basically what it is, right? Let these people play with this, play with this character on an MMO or something, uh, MOBA or whatever it is and get the QA so they can rush fix it. Do you find that that happens at all? Or is that kind of a fallacy in the, in the video game community? I think it's a fallacy. Um, because, First, like I'm an optimist when it comes to kind of my coworkers and like the the teams that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, put simply, none of us want to release something broken. We want to release something awesome, right? All the time. Um, there have been times where I've seen uh, teams doubt themselves about like maybe this isn't the you know the best thing, or maybe this is kind of not going to be received well. Um, and instead of putting it kind of in your live game, right? So like, uh, I don't work for him, so I'll, I'll use them as an example. Like Riot's got um, a PBE, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have their test environment that kind of anyone can hop on and give it a try. And they kind of point out like, hey, this is stuff that we're thinking about, but we're not, you know, we're not going to put this on live and make this impact quote unquote, real users, right? Right. They can use it as their experiment ground and stuff like that. I'd say that it's, it would never be intentional. Okay, so so Riot isn't going out there and saying, we're releasing this broken champion, find the bugs for me, but they're not, you know, of course they're not coming out and saying that, but you don't believe that that's how people... Oh, yeah. Again, I think that's a... I do believe, I'm the same with you, I believe it's a fallacy in the game community. I believe people just trying to reason to say, oh, Zoe is broken in League of Legends, right? And this is why. Yeah, I think it's also kind of... It's it's something that I think I've I've noticed with kind of the gaming community as a whole, where like... For lack of better phrasing, dudes just want to flex, right? They just want to flex on, like, their opponents, their friends, developers they don't even know. Do do you believe it's the, 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 and I can never say it, anonymity of the internet um, that allows players to feel like they have more power than they actually do when they're trying to flex? Yeah, Yeah, I I think it's definitely a thing. Um, I don't think it's entirely that. Um, because I've, I've had interactions with people in the real world, they, you know, like the, oh, you work on, I had somebody after they found out that I worked on a project, um, they would, uh, never shut up about it. <laughs> of course. To me, um, they were, they were, you know, consistently, consistently complaining to me about game balance and Oh, I I hate this. It's it's terrible. It's so unfun. And meanwhile, I'm like kind of 
smiling, nodding, and being like, unless you've got like real deep and powerful opinions on how certain companies like give to or like uh, use terminology for like their hardware, I can't help you, dude. <laughs> I, like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not part of the balance team, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not part of like it's you know it's memed about in League Two, right? Where it's like not everyone that works at Riot is on the balance team, right? Um, yeah, I I can see that. I can see that being obnoxious, and and I hope that anybody listening doesn't do that or doesn't feel that just because they found somebody. Uh, Riot's probably the easiest one right now to point fingers at, right? Because they're really pushing this whole let's be on social media, interact with people type of thing. And you get the skins team out there and then they start yelling at them, you know, why does Graves not have a cigar or whatever it may be? And the skins team's like, I dude, I work on skins. I don't work on, you know, that that piece of it. I don't work on why Graves Smokescreen does what it does. I don't know. I don't have a good example, but I think people are following me. Yeah, it's it's one of those like weird situations where like I know I've had conversations with you know people and said like for lack of better phrasing, dude, I just work there. <laughs> yeah, I just go like, and get I, my paycheck, bro. Like it's I I do love what I do. I love the teams I've worked with, like for sure, right? But like it's strange for people to think that what they escape from work with like our games or something mm-hmm. is what i work on right <laughs> right where it's like cool i just finished you know eight anywhere from like eight to 12 hours working on something right mm-hmm. i i, I kind of don't want to see it for a good seven hours or hear about it for a good seven hours right i, I understand i um yeah, no, I can feel you. It's it's. I think it's similar in a lot of other in, in a lot of respects in other industries as well. So you know, to move this a little forward, y- you spoke to like the lifestyle. You said you work you know anywhere between seven twelve hours and one now. What's it like the li- the lifestyle of a QA? Ooh, uh, it always depends studio to studio. I'm just gonna put that out there. Sure. Um, so and, publisher and, and QA. Can oh. I can I can I caveat this a little bit too? Yeah. Because I see a lot of stuff get retweeted all the time about I think I just saw something the other day where someone tweeted where I don't even know who the fucking person was. Uh, ooh, I should mute that. Uh, I don't even know who the person <laughs> was who said that. Uh that they that they were like, This is what this is game design in 2019 2020 whatever where everybody is under the gun all the time and expected to work tons of hours and not get compensated for it i'm i'm trying to figure is that is there truth to that um so here's a here's the 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 secret with qa um to realize will make us kind of look uh let me let me think about this you're not you're not a developer you're qa right that, well, not just that comes that, down to so like I have a set you know work week or whatever, but by extension, they're trying to get everything right the first time so they don't need me to do crazy overtime. Sure. So it's just extra money. We got to spend the money, right? Right. Right. Like. As much as I want to make, you know, all this money. I want to go home and sleep, man. <laughs> like I want to go home and veg out, watch The Witcher on Netflix, right? Yeah. Like, I just want to be a dude. Yeah, you just want to be a human being, you know, with something that resembles a little work-life balance. Okay. That being said, 
something I've noticed, and I think this is more changing times, but it again, like I kind of left publisher QA like five years ago, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be uh, just where the industry is going on all sides or um, just a difference between dev and publisher. Most devs I've worked with don't want to crunch. I don't, don't wanna, I don't think most people do want to crunch, right? They don't want to make other teams crunch either. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just like, cool, dev, you know, finished a 12-hour day, and, you know, they punted it over to QA, who's going to be there for a couple more hours, you know? Um, or it's not, you know, uh, it's not... I think this is actually part of the reason that like Agile's actually taken over and taken a big thing where it's like an old waterfall methodology, right? QA is kind of just waiting for the good graces of the devs to mm-hmm. deliver something to you. Um, now it's like, cool, I could work on you know, this thing that I've got to take a look at that's coming out this week or you know, something's got to go out tomorrow, so i got to prioritize that. Um, while like the other guys are finishing their stuff for me later this week. Sure. Um, the flexibility helps. Okay. Well, no, I think, I think you've talked about it more, it, it, more than less. And it, it, without actually being a video game developer, it's hard to answer that question because I think that's more suited for somebody else. Who's, you know, a different seat in the industry, but, uh, okay. Yeah. So I want to go back to this QA and the testing. I know we're spending a lot of time on it, but I find it interesting yeah. and fun. Um, do you doing dev QA uh, when you're given a task, are you ever given the task of, you know, figure out how to reproduce this issue and then you're spending eight hours in the same game doing the same thing over and over again? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just a simple, <laughs> yes, I am yeah. Dora and I'm jumping over this, this river and I keep <laughs> falling down and I can't figure out why the hell I can't jump over that river. I mean, like there, there are limitations, right? Like theoretically, we've got some kind of debug tools or some kind of way to like, or you know, even a save state after you know something like that, right? Right. Well, yeah, logs help a lot, right? Like you can look at yeah. different pieces that are going or whatever is running in the background. Right. So it's like the the simpler the game, the more like I feel like the less time you can spend on it, uh, because you'll just run out of ideas like you hit that point of like cool i've tried jumping this way i've tried the running jump i've tried the standing jump i've tried the double jump i've tried you know every combination right mm-hmm. and you're just like i i got nothing like i i literally have run out of ideas um it it happens and something that i've kind of found is like being part of a qa team so i've i've done Solo QA. I think that's fair to say. Um, I've done work on games where I I was the guy. Um, And I actually found it harder than doing it with a team because you don't have like that sounding board. You don't have that um, person to bounce ideas off of. Oh, I can I can only imagine. I uh, in my line of work, I'm a solo. I'm I'm a solo sysadmin. Um, right now, right, you know, taking care of teams, yeah. and and I don't have another sysadmin to bounce ideas off of. Um, I have to spend a lot of my time 
talking to my systems engineer and bouncing ideas off him, even though he's not a sysadmin, just to try to get, you know, because I need to talk to somebody. Yeah, you need that that counterpoint of, like, even if it's a, like, oh, have you tried this? Yeah, I did. But maybe like that, you know, like, or, you know, it's never... You you need, I, I can see it. Being solo, anything is difficult. And I think it, you know, it can really sh- make or break somebody. Uh, and sometimes the, the task is too difficult. It doesn't matter how good you are at your job. It could be too difficult. But I can only imagine in QA that you've jumped over that river in the five different ways that you can figure out how. And without looking at frame data and trying to figure out how to do a frame perfect jump or something crazy, like you're not going to find it, right? But you're not, and you're not yeah. going to spend that much time to figure out why you're falling down because you have so much more to go over as a solo QA. I mean, there's also the other components where it's like maybe it's something in a past level, right? Like maybe it's some power up or something like. Oh, geez installer you know something that you gain right and just because like you guys you know people debugged to this level right and for some reason it didn't give you all the equipment um what was the i think it was i didn't work on it but i remember it was one of the batman arkham games the anti-cheat for that game was like the game wouldn't let you glide yes so, like, you just consistently, like, fall short into this death pit. And some dude went to the forums, like, a couple days before the game was even out. And was like, I can't do this. What's going on? Dev writes back, like, you have a pirated copy. Yeah. <laughs> we, we There's something that. along those lines, right? Like, you found you found the thing. Good job. Um, but you can run into problems like that with, you know, debug tools. Because you're not doing the, the natural playthrough. Ah, uh, okay. So you could run into the, the anti-cheat tools. And not realize that's what it is. I mean, it might not even be anti-cheat, right? It's literally just like, oh, uh, I need... Anti-cheat was the best way for me to explain it. Because obviously he's not cheating if he's pirating the game. But some kind of anti-tool that's put into the game. Or, yeah. or not, it, it might not even be... What I'm trying to say is that's not necessarily like something programmed by the engineer. Ah. To like prevent you from progressing. It's literally just built in a way that you're not supposed to not have the items sure okay like i'm trying to think of a a good random example uh you're playing an fps and you're supposed to snipe some guy but because you debugged to the checkpoint you weren't given the sniper rifle to snipe with gotcha but you would have gotten it if you just played from the beginning of the mission okay and that's probably the most simple way you could explain that yeah that makes sense well, so yeah, that's Dev QA. That's it's really interesting listening to you talk about that and and how it goes. Do you want to talk about anything specifically? You had mentioned a few games and you know who you worked for previously. I'm gonna let you. Uh, oh. I uh, before okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna split this up because before this podcast started, I uh, told Steve I'm gonna give him the news to let him hang himself. Uh, basically, so <laughs> you had yeah. given me information about uh, previous companies and games that you'd worked on. Do you want to talk about any of those, or any kind of like an- anecdotes from those games, or you know something that people I don't know may may or may not? Yeah. Have so about? here's the 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 real kind of tricky part in in just the games industry in general, and maybe this is something that like should have brought up well in advance, but like there's a lot of NDAs, like non disclosure agreements. There's a lot of um. Oh, yeah, I can. Oh, yeah. It's one of those, like, 
you know, we talked about earlier how like I was a little nervous because uh, game companies are pretty um, protective of their stuff, and right? as they should be. Uh, absolutely. Um, so it's one of those weird kind of situations where like it's cool to talk about my process and like I don't. I'm in this like weird position where it's like I don't like hiding what I do or what I work on, but it's you also just can't kind talk of, about it. Yeah, I can't talk about like the product, you know. Then to transition a bit, let's talk about um, the you know your future in QA, your future in game development, and and potentially what you would have done differently in the past. Yeah. Um, so I guess I think it makes more sense to start with uh, what I would have changed in the past, right? Sure. Um, I. I think I spent a lot of time in publisher QA and in retrospect, I would have liked to make the dev side jump sooner. Um, I kind of got comfortable, I guess, um, in publisher because it's kind of, you know, uh, I don't want to say big fish, small pond, but like you hit that level of mastery and you get kind of complacent. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's just like it's you know, easy, I met it's some easy great money people. when you know what you're doing, right? Yeah, and I mean, I got to, I met some great people, and I, uh, I actually kept up with a decent amount of them. Actually, one of them was actually by my place like last weekend. Um, it's a very tight knit community, which I mm-hmm. just the games industry in general pretty pretty tight knit. Um, I probably would have spent less time there. Um, I'm probably would have gotten a little more zealous about, you know, advancing my career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way, because it's not technically like a game industry issue. It's more of a personal thing of me where like, I, um, I'm very driven to have total mastery of whatever i I'm doing. Um, And it took me kind of multiple years to kind of realize it's okay to be imperfect. Mm -hmm. Um, And the trick I found with publisher QA is that it's usually moving on from publisher QA is really hard. So like, I, 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 this might be the bigger thing to to focus on now that I think about it, but um, publisher QA um, growth is hard. Like professional and personal growth is real hard there, in my opinion, Um, because a lot of it is brute force testing and just kind of trying everything. um, It's hard to stand out. It's, and there's not going to be as many uh, routes from just doing that. Um, like, yeah, you can get to, you know, you can become a senior, you can become a lead or maybe a manager, but that's, you know, a handful of roles for potentially a relatively large team. Sure. Um, so you just and- so too. To, to help you, I guess, move the point forward a bit. Yeah. Um, 
you do wish that you would have focused more on personal development or looking at other opportunities outside of publisher QA to continue yeah. to grow as a as a QA. Um, I don't want to. I don't know. Is artist the right word? As as a as a member of the community. Yeah, it's one of those like it's because it's so easy to get stuck in the routine of okay, I just got to find all the bugs. It's you know hard to gain management skills sometimes. It's hard to gain uh, skills outside of your day to day job. Um, it's definitely a challenge to say. It's not impossible, but like if you go into QA and you're like, but I'm an artist. And I want to do game art. Not impossible. Not like, but it's going to be difficult. Right. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's not an easy transition from QA to another facet of the gaming community. Yeah, especially when you're in kind of that publisher side. So I guess one of the one of the last questions I have for you before we wrap all this up is when you get a new job with a company, um, let's say that you went and worked for 2K, okay? Uh, sure. since, since we've already mentioned that company. Do you have any say of what games you get to QA on uh, with seniority, you know, as you move up? Or is mm. it just kind of like, hey, today you're working at Duke Nukem and tomorrow you're working on this random first-person shooter we're putting together? Not really. Um, those decisions are kind of above you. Mm. You're really kind of... Um, you might kind of gain a, a specialty or like something you're kind of known for, I guess. Okay. Um, so like kind of to can you continue with that example, like, uh, the, let's say, you know, insert first person shooter game here is winding down or they're kind of shifting over to their DLC. So they don't need as many people, right? Mm-hmm. They're, I would presume that publishers would kind of push you more towards okay what's our next shooter as opposed to hey we've got this you know sports game or we've got this you know game of a completely different title or genre i should say um coming in maybe you're right for that so thinking about my my question more it makes sense uh trying to relay in my head real world experience if you're good at finding those fall through the earth bugs you might be put into a game that could potentially have more of those or have seen more of those for example i i that's the best i have without actually working there but you're gonna have you potentially could have a specialty and a senior or team lead is going to see that and say hey i want this guy to work on my team yeah um so like from my own experience uh I did some, you know, I kind of grew a knack for thinking how um, certain dev teams would or certain organizations would. So I did more of that. Okay. Um, because that's how my brain worked. Right. That makes sense. We all we all have different processes. There's th- different things we look for. Oh, well, well, rock on, man. This has been awesome. <laughs> I, I. Yeah. You've really gone through the whole QA thing, and this might be something where after we talk about this and I talk about a few more people, I might have to roll back around to you to get a better idea. Because yeah. uh, as I grow in the interviewing you know, sphere, I'm going to learn a lot more about the video game industry myself. And, and then the whole point here is so I can learn so that I can teach other people. And I hope yeah. other people have a better understanding of what QA is like, where it's, you know, like I think I think the, the hardest hitting point out of all this is the fact that you said that 800 man hours is dwarfed by one hour of player experience. 
Yeah. I so, I mean, if, you if can cover any takeaway there. Yeah, I really like that analogy. Um, it's something that I've kind of had to beat into myself uh, personally, just because we've had, you know, I've worked on. I don't want to call them just AAA, like. You've worked on high profile uh, games. No, I'm trying to think of like trying to generalize it out like. Games as not a service okay. versus like games as a service like games. Mm-hmm. You know, the triple A single player experience or whatever you want to call it, right? Like. You've got one release. Maybe a day one patch, maybe a patch or two after that and you're done. Um, you're, uh, The game's life cycle. That's the phrasing I was thinking. OK. About. Yeah, game life cycle being shorter gives you kind of less opportunities to kind of see player trends and, you know, things like that or, you know, things that, you know, your players want. So, like, consider, like, let's go back to the League example, right? Mm-hmm. If League had stopped in 2009, let's say 2010, let's say okay. 2010, um, and that was the game. Done. They're not going to need the same manpower that they need to. You know, cool, we're doing a new client. We're redoing Summoner's Rift. We're doing all these new characters and they've got to work with all our existing characters like because the content. Doesn't need to keep evolving with the player base. QA's, uh, I wouldn't say easier, but it's more compact. Gotcha. Like, it's the one, you know, cool. The game is done. It is shipped. It is gone gold. We are, we are mission complete. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I think that, I think that sums it up pretty well. Um, well, uh, Steve, I appreciate it, man. Like, yeah, I, I'm just sitting here kind of racking my brain a little bit thinking about anything else I could ask you. But really, <clears throat> excuse me, you've answered everything I need to know for now, because like yeah. I said, I, I might reach back out to you later. Who knows? You know, down the line, a couple months on the line, like, hey, you, let's 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 revisit this and talk about this a little more um, now that we're a little more comfortable, too. But, yeah. but other than that, is there any final thoughts, anything you want to say, anything you want to say to the community without putting a target on your back? I I kind of like that a lot of our industry and a lot of our field seems to be changing. And I mean that in the sense that like um I remember like a handful of years ago folks were kind of talking about like what a veteran was in the games industry. Hmm. And they were like 5 years. 5 years in like you're a grizzled old vet cuz most people bounce out like they go through it and they're they're burnt out and they're done. They've, they've kicked it. Um, something I kind of really love about the industry now is that like I mean I've been around for you know ten years. Uh, I've got you know folks that have worked together as a unit. Um, less so in QA, but like in the industry for like seventeen years. Like they've just been working together on, you know, under different banners and different studios and different titles and stuff like that. Um, That's that's nuts. Like, especially when like 17 years is nuts. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously in much more junior roles, of course, back then. But like. 
that's so cool. Like, especially when like I had heard, you know, like, oh, five years and you're done, like you're out. And like you see people around that have just been like, yeah, I've been doing this since, you know, PlayStation 2 games. Right. Wow. And you're just like, whole dude, that's so cool. Like I and it's kind of that like systemic knowledge that I think is really, really important um to awesome. to the industry and to our players really yeah no absolutely of course uh i could definitely see it where you could be you know the grizzled vet where you don't want to do this anymore oh i've seen that before it's easy fix i should have you know that type of bull bull crap but uh it sounds like that doesn't really happen especially with people that are all together all the time right not just that but like you've got you know i i've i'm still stoked to go to work like that's nuts that's actually nuts um like it's kind of it was a very weird uh path i took to get in but like you know i've like everyone in the industry like i've gone through layoffs i've you know seen studios close i've seen all that stuff right mm-hmm. and occasionally i've had people ask like hey maybe you should drop it like maybe you should you know go into like you know standard software qa like frankly put the pays better and you know a little more stability and i just kind of looked at him i was like but but i wouldn't get to work on what i love you know like it's sure it's telling that like i've worked on games and then <laughs> there's one game i worked on i kid you not i was in the office eight hours a day at least I'd get home and I'd play it for another, you know, eight hours. Oh my wow. wow. Uh, yeah, granted that... I was much younger and I could do that, but <laughs> yeah, I can't even get hardly 30 minutes in it anymore of anything. But, but I feel you. Yeah. But like, you know, it's, it's still cool that like, you know, I, I the stuff I work on now, uh, I still get to like, I still get jazz playing it. I still get hype when like, our players see something cool. Awesome. We'll rock on. Uh, well, I'm going to end it there, Steve. I think that's, right. you know, that ends it up guys. Thank you for listening. Um, if you have any comments, Adam C E D A M C at Trinity force network.com. Email me. I'll pass them along. If they're, if they're, if I feel they're good, you can always email me and say something about Steve or about his performance or any questions that you have for him. I'll pass them along. No guarantees on answers and no guarantees I'll pass anything along. Exactly. Just because some people, like he said, like he said in this, he's got NDAs and he wants to keep his anonymity. Uh, I don't know if I ever say the damn word. But, but I like go. having a job is basically right. the situation. <laughs> but feel free to email me because I can read it. I have no NDA. And if I <laughs> feel that he should be, you know, that he should read it and then he'll decide if he wants to answer it. Either way, there we go. We're going to add that. Guys, thanks for listening. And we will see you all next time. Have a good night.